Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. We have launched into a new series of messages called The Gates. And we're talking about the 10 gates that were repaired under Nehemiah's leadership. Nehemiah and Ezra the scribe led the way in restoring what had been lost to the people of God. And much of the book of Nehemiah is about the struggles that he had in restoring the wall and the gates. Interesting and powerful story if you want to take time to read it all. And we're not going to do that, but we will just be telling you along the way bits and pieces of the story. Chapter 3 lists the ten gates that they repaired. And I want to say to you, what makes these gates important is, is not the fact that there were old gates on an old wall in an old city. What makes them important is that everything in the Bible has some kind of application to us. Some kind of application. Not always concerning our righteousness or how to be saved, but it has some kind of application, as do these ten gates. They have an application to the local church. They have an application to your life personally. I'm totally convinced that we must strive to understand the Bible and all of its personal applications as well as its corporate applications to the church. You know, a gate signifies something. A gate is not built, especially on a city. It wasn't built to keep the people who belong there out. It was built to keep the enemy out. God puts gates on our lives to keep the enemy out and yet to give us free discourse in and out for various means of trade and, and communication with others and working in the world and having a way to communicate that which is out there in the world into the church, not, not the negative that's in the world, but that which is out in the world into the church and that which is in the church out to the world. How many of you know that that, that world system out there is failing? Yeah. It's failing. Now, the Democrats are going to tell you they have the answer for that. And the Republicans are going to tell you they have the answer for that. But I know the truth. They are the reason for it failing. Man-made politics, man-made schemes, man-made ways of trying to fix things. That, it never will work for long. Now, I thank God for our government. I'm not here to bash America. I don't do that. I thank God for, for our government, for our nation. But I'm just telling you, as good as it is, it's still miserably falling short when you compare it against the government of God. God's government is perfect. It works for all people, all time, in every kind of government. God's government will work under the most totalitarian communist regime known to man. God's government will work under the freest, most independent states known to man. God's government works in all ranges everywhere, everywhere because God's government is a kingdom based in love. Hallelujah. With a constitution written in faith. Amen. Did you notice that the, the, the New Testament opens with an important verse? It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, and it says two, names two other names. The son of David, the son of Abraham. The kingdom of God is about Jesus, the son of David, that is, he's the king, the king of a kingdom of love, son of David. Wow, indicates that he's the king and of David, the beloved 
David's name means beloved. Hallelujah. That just means our kingdom operates by love. And may I say to you, if the world could learn to operate in love, we wouldn't need one more law. We wouldn't need cops. We wouldn't need judges. We wouldn't need any of that. Love answers everything. It conquers everything. It fixes it all. Glory be to God. There's not even, there's not even any real need for forgiveness if there's love operating because nobody's going to do anything to offend anybody else. Wow. Can you say maybe we are falling miserably short, Democrats and Republicans? Yeah, we are. War with one another. Even those people who are supposed to be on the same side, they're at war, at war right now with one another. If you've been watching any of these caucuses, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Listen, you can defend yourself or you can let these gates defend you. Last week, Pastor Eric talked to you about the sheep gate and the fish gate. He told you that the sheep gate is where sheep come in. Amen. People come into our church and come into our lives through all kinds of gates. You've got to get the sheep gate there because you know, I do believe that the vast majority of people who come to church are sheep. They're looking to be led. They're looking to be cared for. They just want to know what God is saying. Most people don't come into the church to tell the preacher off. Most people don't come into the church to tell the preacher how to run things. Most people come in to try to get an answer from God. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's powerful. You know, and those are the folks who get it. Real sheep get blessed. Real sheep get blessed. Well, then yeah. the next thing is, uh, what's, the, what's the fish gate? And that's, that's really just talking about the, our efforts to go out and win the lost. <clears throat> our efforts. We have a gate for bringing in lost people. Amen. There ought to be, there ought to be a way to, that the world hears about us. That they know that we, that we love them and that we care about them. We know, hey, hey, we know they've been swimming in dangerous waters. We know they've been swimming out there with the sharks. We know they've been out there, and we know they've participated in some pretty bad things. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hey, all the fish are welcome. And let me say to you something else about that. The very first thing that God gave man dominion over, the very first thing he named was the fish of the sea. Wow. You have a right to win souls. You have a right to talk to people about the Lord. He gave you dominion with this great message. When Jesus died for our sins, that is, he took away our sin. He gave you authority, every ounce of authority that Adam lost, and I personally believe even more. Amen. Gave you back the right to be in charge. Now, and that brings us to the old gate. Look at verse 6 of Nehemiah chapter 3. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada the son of Paseah, and Meshullam, the son of Besodiah. They laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And it goes on and on, and it names all the people who were involved. They set up and repaired, put it back in place, the old gate. The old gate. Why don't you just go buy a new gate? I mean, we've had this old gate here for so long. Let's just start all over and forget the old gate. Forget the old gate. You know what? As much as you think you're on the cutting edge of things, really, there is nothing new under the sun. You don't want, you don't want to completely forget the old gate. 
Now, I'm not talking about all the retired people, although I did think it was kind of ingenious of my son when we assigned these gates that he gave me the old gate. The old gate. The old gate speaks to us of our traditions. It speaks to us of our elders. It speaks to us of all kinds of things. But a gate is not an obstacle except to the enemies. Safe passage for those who belong in the city. This old gate here gives us safe passage as it is a reminder of your personal past. A reminder of your personal past. Do you know while you should not dwell on what you used to be before you came to Christ, it's not a bad idea once in a while to walk through the old gate. Not a bad idea once in a while to say, you know, I remember what I was. Because if you can remember what you were and how you acted, how you lived, you're more likely not to fall into this idea that you're better than everybody else. I mean, you remember that it was grace that brought you where you are. It, it, it wasn't your goodness that got you here. Glory be to God. It was the grace of God that reached out to you. Simple, childlike faith. It wasn't because you got smarter than everybody else. It was faith in Jesus that brought you in. It wasn't because you could even tell God how sorry you were so perfectionally and so perfectly that he would render forgiveness. No, it was his grace that was showered upon you. And like a little child that knows nothing, you simply believed it. My daddy said, John, we're going to Six Flags tomorrow when I was a little boy. I didn't ask my daddy, how much money do I need to bring? Why didn't you tell me a few days ago, daddy, so I could get some money to get? I didn't ask him that. I knew when daddy said we're going to Six Flags, he had already paid for everything. Hallelujah. He had already paid for everything. But if I acted like I didn't believe it, no, I never once ever acted like I didn't believe it. He said, we're going to Six Flags. I remember I couldn't hardly sleep that night because I believed it. I mean, belief was working in me. I had that six six flags faith. Man, oh man. Huh? I don't know what the highlight of your your year was when you were growing up, but going to Six Flags was my highlight, man. We lived about, you know, an hour up the road there. And, uh, oh, it was just wonderful. When Daddy came home and said, we're going to Six Flags. Oh, had the tickets. He'd stopped off and bought them. Oh, my life was perfect. And I hadn't done one thing to deserve it except to believe it. Amen. Amen. So, so the old gate reminds you that you didn't get where you are because of what you did. You got where you are because of what Jesus did. Look back once in a while and remember. Now, you don't want to stay there. You don't want to camp there. You don't want your testimony to be 95% of all the sin and 5% of how you came to Jesus. Man, I've got a testimony after I came to Christ. Amen. I've, I've seen God do a whole lot more good for me than the devil ever could do bad for me. I said, God has done an awful lot more good for you than the devil ever did bad for you. Because God is infinitely gooder than the devil is bad. I know that's not a word, but I just had to say it. God is infinitely more a good God than the devil is evil. These are not equal opposites. The devil will never be opposite God. He's in rebellion against God. You can't be opposite unless you're equally opposite. The devil can never be as evil as God is good. God's power and love and goodness over, overwhelm evil in your life. That's why. That's why the, the Bible says the power of God is the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it 
is the power. You can read it in any t- context you want to. Read it in any translation. Look it up in every Greek text there that you could possibly find. And it says, it says the same thing. It doesn't say that the gospel brings the power. It doesn't say that the gospel releases the power. It doesn't say that, gosp- that the gospel will take you to the power. It says the gospel is the power of God. Hearing the gospel brings the power of God into your life. But it's totally up to you to believe it. Totally up to you to believe it. What is the gospel? Well, Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You see, it's also a reminder that the old things still work and are necessary. There is no substitute for being born again. There is no substitute for being water baptized. I mean by immersion. There is no substitute for the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We won't ever change that because the Bible won't ever change that. Glory be to God. There is no substitute for the Lord's table. There is no substitute for church attendance. There is And I'm on television, but I'm telling you, there is no substitute for church attendance. Being in the household of faith, being with the people of God. I mean, I know it's an old idea, but it's still a gate you need to keep in place in your life. Hallelujah. No substitute for witnessing to your friends and family. No substitute for prayer. No substitute for the word. No substitute for tithing. No substitute for a marriage license. No substitute for disciplining your kids. There is no substitute for providing for your family. There is no substitute for just saying no to temptation. Can I have a good amen here in this house? Reminder that the old things still work and are necessary. This great revelation of the Apostle Paul of salvation by grace through faith. It came through an old gate. He didn't go back to the law to build it. He went clear back before the law to the first book of the, of the Bible, which is not in the Old Testament at all. What? The first book of the Bible is in the Old Testament? No, it is not. It is not. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant, which is the law of God given through Moses written in tablets that's the old covenant and that didn't come until the book of Exodus in the book of Genesis there was no old covenant there were only people who pleased God by walking by faith and for you to say what John says in 1 John sin is the transgression of the law yeah if you're under the old covenant but Paul said in Romans 14 whatever's not of faith is sin And the law is not of faith. Can I have a good amen here in this faith church? Hallelujah. So he goes right back to the book of Genesis to talk about the old man himself. Father Abraham had many sons. Children, this is why we sing about Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. And I am one of them, and so are you. That's just talking about the life of faith that Abraham lived. Because when Abraham lived by faith, righteousness came to him. Glory be to God. God exchanged his faith for righteousness. He didn't say righteousness would take him to it. He said that's what it was. It's the same thing. And the moment he believed God, it was accounted or reckoned. And God saw it as the same thing. You can't jimmy the books. If you've got $6 on the table, you've got to put $6 in the books. And when he set up faith, God registered, it at, registered marked it down as faith. I love this. It's an old message, but it's the only message. 
It's the only message that works for righteousness. There is no substitute. He went all the way back to Genesis 15, 6. For what we call the new covenant, what the new, the new covenant calls the new covenant, is really the really old covenant. It's an old gate. All these days there's all kinds of ideas about how you're supposed to preach to sinners. Stupid ideas if you ask me. People got tired of telling people Jesus died for your sins and so they started trying to hammer sinners with guilt and grief over breaking the law. Oh my goodness, how absurd can you be? You've got to keep reading the Bible. The power is in the gospel. The power is not in the law. The power of the law is sin. Sin gets its power from the law. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 54, I believe it is, says that, 56, says it very clearly that the, the strength of sin is the law, and that word is dunamis. The right now explosive power of sin is the law. doesn't come from it. It's what it is. Wow. 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 All you're going to do by preaching the law to people is make them better sinners. Hallelujah. It's about time somebody came up with the answer. The answer is Jesus. Come on, shout it out with your own mouth. The answer is still Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The old gate still works and it's necessary for the building of the walls of your life. Uh, uh, let me just say this. It's a reminder. The third thing, it's a, first of all, it's a reminder of your personal past. It's a reminder that the old things still work and are necessary. And thirdly, it's a reminder that your present struggles have been experienced by others before you someone has passed this way before man when you're in trouble I don't know about you but when I've been in trouble I think about those who've told me stories of victory I think about brother Hagen when he was a teenage boy lying on a deathbed right here in McKinney Texas six blocks due west of this pulpit the house in 405 North College Street where he died and descended and descended and descended and was conscious of it. Descending into hell, he said the darkness was so dark you could almost take a knife and cut a chunk of it out. But then he came back to life and came back into his body but knew he was passing, knew he was dying. Did it a second time and came back and a third time and came back telling the story of what he had seen big hulking creatures on each arm his third passes down and began to even see the gates of hell cried out to Jesus came back and heard a booming voice above him and when he came back he started claiming Jesus as his savior he's still lying on a deathbed still laying there dying oh my goodness oh my goodness and he wound up you can find all this information in a tiny little booklet written by Kenneth E. Hagen uh, Kenneth E. Hagen rather uh, called uh, I Went to Hell it's a riveting story. Six blocks from here, 405 North College Street in the south bedroom of the house there. He passed away, but he didn't die. Two years later or thereabouts, sometime later, he received a miraculous healing in that same house, in a different part of that house, and went on to build Rama Bible Training Center. Went on to change the world with the message of Christ. I want to tell you something. It's not the will of God. It is not the will of God for anybody to find their way to hell from McKinney, Texas. Or any place else for that matter. But it, for us, it's personal, right? That happened here. So 
we don't want anybody to find their way to hell from McKinney. Let's get that, hallelujah, let's get that door shut and get the gate, the old gate open. Say, hey, this gospel worked back then, it'll work today. Amen. It's a reminder, though, that others before you have gone. No matter what kind of trials and troubles you're going through today, no matter what kind of anxieties you have, remember, there's an old gate. Think about your grandmother who prayed you into the kingdom. Think about your mama who, who, you know, who was the cause of that drug problem you had. Drug you to church on Sunday, drug you back on Sunday night, drug you on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a drug problem. My mama drugged me to church all the time. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Think about the people in your life, the people in your life who prayed for you, who made sure that you had a Bible, who, who made sure that you got literature, who made sure that you, that you were exposed to this gospel. Glory be to God. It's a reminder. The old gate is a reminder. We don't want to forget it. We don't want to forget the old gate of Pentecost. Let me say to you, though, we don't need another Pentecost. We have the old gate. Amen. We, have the, we don't need another one. They say, oh, we even sing a song. We're, we need another Pentecost. No, we don't need another Pentecost. We have one. This is that. Amen. If you use your faith today, this is that. You don't have to have Pentecost happen all over again. And we don't, See, the righteousness which is of faith doesn't talk like that. The righteousness of fear and of the law talks like that. Only if God would do something. Hey! God has done plenty already. He's looking for somebody who will believe Him today. He's looking for somebody who will say, we have the old gate established. We're never going to tear it down. What used to work will work today. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. Hmm. Oh no. What happened in Joel, speaking of a day coming, Peter said this is that. They never, they never acted like it ever got old. They never acted like it waned cold somehow. They never acted like it lost its power. But this is that still works today. This phrase, this is that. Whatever they had, we have today. Glory be to God. Romans 10, 6 through 10. I'd like to get this on the big screen. Romans 10, 6. The old gate. Romans 10, 6 says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart. First of all, I was going to tell you two things not to say and what righteousness does not say. Do not say in your heart, Who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? The next verse says, But what does it say? Verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. See, faith is now. Everybody shout out faith now. Come on, shout it out like you mean it. Faith now. That is the word of faith. Faith which we preach. Paul preached a word of faith. The message of the gospel is the word of faith. The message of faith. It always has worked. It will work today. We're going to keep the old gate up. Glory be to God. We're going to tell people you can be born again. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Glory be to God. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, it still works. We keep this gate strong. It's an old gate, but we must have this gate. That is the word of faith which we preach. And verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus.
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Can I have a good amen here today? That brings us down to verse 13 now. Nehemiah 3 and 13. It says, The valley gate repaired Hanan. And the inhabitants of Zanoah, they built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. Pastor Eric gets to preach about the dung gate. That'll teach him. (laughs) I want to talk to you about the valley gate. The old gate first, and then the valley gate. Do you know that there are no such things as mountains without valleys? No such things as mountains without valleys. No, no mountains without valleys. You go to the mountains, you'll go through numerous valleys. On your way up into the mountains, they're everywhere. Valleys and mountains go together. In fact, it's a part of life. There are no valleys, and there are no valleys. You're in a plain. Hmm. They call it a plain for, no, for, a, for a specific reason. It's a good place to grow crops. It's a good place to live. But you know, it's kind of plain. <laughs> the valley gate. Nehemiah heard there was trouble. And when he heard there was trouble, he exited through the valley gate. Not ashamed to be in trouble. No shame on you just because you've had tests and trials and trouble. Anybody in the building ever have tests, trials, and trouble? Huh, seemed like everybody here is still human. Didn't have any Martians in the building. Say, nope, don't know anything about that. No, everybody here, earthlings, all have tests, trials, and troubles, let's say, valleys. There must be a way, when I think about people coming in through the valley gate, I think about Donnie and Tia Mills. Not that they came in through the valley gate, but God has put them and a few others sort of stationary at the valley gate. Our benevolence ministry reaching out to people who are in need, people who are hurting, people who don't have enough money to buy food. God raise up people to put a gate on this church to say, we love you, even though if you are down and out, we don't consider you second-class citizens. You know, in the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as a second-class citizen. No, 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 no. Everybody gets to sit at the king's table. And that's why when King David heard that Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, was still alive. Oh, my goodness. Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. And a scripture not too awful long before that, a few chapters before, described David as hating lame people. He said he hated lame people. 
I, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you, he hated lame people. Well, David was a, you know, what was he? A full-time warrior, part-time king. This guy was amazing. He had 600 men stand around him one day. He was all by himself. 600 men he had personally trained how to fight. They got so mad at him that one of them said, let's stone him. Find this in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's stone him. Now, if you know anything about Jewish culture and history, you know they've never been squeamish about stoning people who needed it. And it might be right that David deserved it, at least in their minds. And one of them said, let's stone him. 600 trained fighting men. One of them gets the idea to stone this guy. 600 to 1 odds. And nobody picked up a rock. A bunch of people said, yeah, that's a good idea. But not one of them picked up a rock. Huh? Yeah, you know why? They'd heard that song back in the city. It was a new release. All the women were singing it. Saul has slain his thousands. David his tens of thousands. Somebody did a quick count. He's a 10,000 to one man. 600 of us, we can't whip him. This is the kind of reputation the man had. So you can understand, he had this disdain, this disdain, I should say, for lame people. And yet when they bring Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son to him, he sets him, sits him at his own table. Wow. You may be here today, newly here. Maybe you've come in through the valley gate. Maybe your heart is low. Maybe your heart is broken and you live in utter confusion. Maybe you've never said no to any temptation that's ever come to you. Maybe you're a miserable wreck in the eyes of the world. But you've come in. You've come in because in the kingdom of God, there's a valley gate. There's a way for you to get in. That gate wasn't there so that the people of God could necessarily go out into the valley unless they were going out there looking for people in trouble. That gate was there so people could get out of the valley. So people could come up out of the valley and come in to God's protection. Philip, do you have any money on you? John, you got any money on you? Come here. Philip carries all his money in plastic. Uh, Michelle don't trust him with cash. <laughs> you need to take a lesson from here. He walks up and says, what do you need? Ah, boy. Yeah, that's a dangerous question to ask a preacher, brother. Hand me one of them 20s right there. One of those numerous 20s there. Glory to God. I'm going to buy me a tractor. Now, come here. John, stay right here with me. Stay right here with me. That's a pretty good-looking 20. Huh? What can I buy with 20 bucks? Can I get a saltgrass steak? Probably get a saltgrass steak with that 20 bucks. What else do you think I might get with that? 
Or a little gas, half a tank of gas maybe. Depends on the car you're driving. A quarter of a tank of gas these days. What else might you buy with that 20? Shout it out. Oh, you, you don't, huh? She, oh, shoes. Is my daughter back there? Buy flowers for your wife, John said. Praise God. You can do all kinds of things with 20 bucks. You know what? That's just. Just $20. John, let me ask you something. You want it back? You do? But John, boy, it's all wrinkled up. In fact, now you don't want it back, do you? Why do you want it back, John? Because it's not lost its value even though it's been beat up. It still has its value. Hallelujah. If you're in the valley, I want you to understand the gate's wide open to you because for those of us on the inside looking out that valley gate, you may be wrinkled up, but we see that you are still valuable to God. Come on, can I have a good amen here? Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Still valuable to God. Still useful in this kingdom. No matter what kind of valleys you're going through, there's a good God that loves you. That $20 bill will recover. Hmm? Hmm? Huh? Because its owner sees its value. God sees your value today. For you personally, you need a valley gate. Because you have answers. As a believer, child of God, you have answers. There are people out there all over this, all over this metroplex where you go work and abide and do your thing. People out there looking for somebody who won't degrade them because they're messed up. Who won't put them. My wife, my wife amazes me. She's made three mistakes her entire life. I'm telling you, the woman is just amazing to me. And yet, the stinkiest, most unworthy, mean, critical, unholy, weird people. My wife puts her arms around them. She loves them. She just embraces them. She gets to smelling like them. It's amazing to me. How the grace of God reaches out through the valley gate. I have good news today. While we will never change the old message, some things just never change and are never supposed to change. Right next to the standard that has stood forever, righteousness by faith, you must be born again. We will never change it. Right next to this awesome standard gate, is the valley gate that says, I know you didn't live up to it. I know you don't measure up and you're not even worthy to come through the old gate. But there's a gate for you. Come on. There's a gate for you today. You're broken hearted. You're down and out. You feel like you've spent your last dime. Listen, 
you can come into the kingdom. God loves you just like you are. The valley gate is for you. Would you bow your head just a moment? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.